0: Welcome to Dustin's Travels.com, your home to fun, exciting travel adventures. And now your host, Dustin Saidi.
1: Okay, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you all for joining us. So today we are going to go different topic. It's still travel related, but we're going to talk about the digital nomad phenomenon that has been taking over basically many many parts of the world and today we're bringing on Upton who has uh, he lives in Hong Kong but he's been to Bali and Bali is just to be happens to be one of the best spots in the world for this digital nomad lifestyle hey Upton how are you Hi, hey guys how are you thanks for having me
0: thanks I'm excited to hear everything you have to say about Bali
1: um, so, tell us first about what what is this digital nomad phenomenon, just so everyone 's on the same page
2: Sure, so a digital nomad is somebody who can really be location agnostic so they don 't really need a permanent spot. Uh, basically, their work is wherever their laptop is and we 're seeing obviously a huge shift in the in the the way we work. And that's causing and empowering a lot of people to be able to be digital nomads. Now, typically it's, it's millennials, right? People in their 20s and 30s that are doing this. Um, I personally have met a lot of them from California, the US in general, Australia, the UK, all around the world who've, who've really been embracing this lifestyle and coming to Bali. Bali, the island in Indonesia, where there's just been a boom in, in people that are coming for a couple weeks to years. I mean, I know a number of people that are just living there full time in bali and you know they might be working for a a global company maybe in america Uh, a lot of them are programmers developers things like that
1: okay so first let's ask why bali of all places so there's many places in the world someone could go to why why is bali a good spot
2: It's a good question. I think it's um, a couple things. One, cost of living is really quite, quite inexpensive. I'm talking $8 for a one hour massage. I'm talking like five bucks for like a really gourmet, you know, fresh, fresh food. You also have really good surfing, a lot of expats, a lot of visitors. Uh, but my favorite part of Bali is actually the locals. The people are really what make the island so special to me. You're talking about the population of 4 million Balinese, many of whom who have never left the island. So the culture is really, really warm and, and just really preserved. And they're just so genuine. They're such warm people. And to me, that's really what makes it. But so, yeah, I mean, when it comes to digital nomads, they, they're just flocking there because the weather is good. It's cheap to live. And, you know, you really have a good community. You have good nightlife. You have good, you know, massages, everything.
1: Yeah, I think it was Tim Ferriss who said, um, have your business where you're making money in dollars or euros, pay your workers in the Philippines, and then live in a place like Bali. And then that's how you sort of maximize basically how far your dollar is going to go.
0: So being in the digital nomad world, where you interact with a lot of Americans or Europeans, um, do you push yourself to talk to the locals? Like, or is there a good mix of both worlds, sort of? Or how do you approach, you know, like actually, you know, meeting people from the place and interacting with them in a very, you know, genuine form?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think sometimes it can get um, a bit easy to fall into a bubble of just right, hanging out exactly. with, let's say, other Americans or, or Europeans. Um, but, you know, the co-working space that I, I like to work out of in Bali is in an area called Canggu. Um, now, just to give people a little bit of background who are planning their trips to Bali, typically tourists will choose to go to one of two places, Seminyak or Ubud. Seminyak is kind of your partying, very touristy area, you know, touristy for a reason. A lot of times we cringe right. when we hear that word, but it's, it's a fun area. There's good, there's good nightlife, there's good beaches, great food. And then there's Ubud, which is like the opposite. And Ubud is really about the soul searching, you know, you'll see a lot of, guys and girls yeah kind of walking down the street with a notebook in hand Mm -hmm. kind of we like to joke searching for themselves (laughs) um but yeah it's a lot of a lot of kind of vegan clean eating doing yoga you know hiking through rice fields Mm. um i personally discovered changu about two to three years ago changu is kind of a hybrid between the two Mm. you have like a really good surfing scene you have amazing restaurants but you also have some really cool like beach clubs and rest and and, and nightlife um and some really great yoga And, and so that's pretty much all the only place i go now when i I go to Bali and I work out of a place called Dojo. Dojo is, uh, is one of the largest co-working spaces in, in Bali. And there's a lot of, it's really the support and the, the social kind of system that's in place that makes it so, um, so enriching because you meet people like I met, um, my friend Stefan, he started like the Ticket Master of Malta, right? So, so he has a team of five or six. He just says, hey, I want to go work out of Bali for six months and connect with my team from there. And he had the time of his life. You have a guy who started the, um, the Amazon of, of the Netherlands, you know? So you meet all kinds of people that inspire you, not just profesh- not just personally, but also professionally. And what kinds of jobs are out there? What kind of entrepreneurs? Um, my, my buddy Kirill is German, and he started a company where he just writes funny, he makes funny t-shirts, So <laughs> Sells on Amazon and they do all the fulfillment. He makes a you know not a good not a huge margin, yeah. but you're talking volume, right? So he has maybe Ten thousand T-shirts that he's designed over the past two years, um, and then people will just search in in Amazon like ta- funny taco T-shirts, and then you know his one of his will appear, and he'll make five bucks off that. So he's never you know had gone to a manufacturer. He's never been to a fulfillment center. He's just completely so, and he's making pretty good money. So the stories that you see when you go to these co-working spaces are really quite inspiring. And then you have a number of corporate you know employees who are just working remote. You have a lot of programmers. You have a lot of like life coaches right now, um, but back to your original question because mm-hmm. it is so many foreigners right. sometimes you got to push yourself and exactly. there's there's ways that you can do that through volunteering but even just like, you know, there, a warang is called, it's the, the local restaurants are called warang. So just going to a local warang, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to see a lot of locals eating there. The food is delicious and obviously more authentic than, you right. know, an Italian restaurant, right. let's right. say. Um, but also like one thing I love about Dojo is it's all run for the most part by locals. Oh, so ha- Haren, he's, he's Harren, this guy named Haren is, um, is kind of the fa- one of the faces of the <laughs> Dojo. As you, I know, Dustin, you're out of a WeWork and you have your community managers. So Haren is like one of the community manager types of people at dojo and he's actually not balinese but he's lived in bali for a number of years he is indonesian so you know so just like and he doesn't just do his job he he really goes out of his way to hang out with people at night at the clubs you know on the weekends and stuff so he's become one of my friends you know he's become like a good friend that i actually wouldn't have met through you know had I just been a tourist right Right, right. so so they there are plenty of of you know locals that own the restaurants that own the massage places Mm -hmm. and stuff as well but you
0: push yourself to connect
2: with them yes exactly
1: and it sounds like you know they say especially with entrepreneurship being in an environment of like-minded people is very very important it sounds like dojo has a place where you've got a lot of very successful entrepreneurs that sort of you can kind of just be in that environment I think it sort of helps energize and helps focus you as well
2: Absolutely. And one of my favorite things is called Beaches and Beers. So every Friday they have an event um, at 530 where it's literally that, beers on the beach. Um, it's at a beach bar. It's usually 20 to 30 people. And, you know, maybe 10 of them are, are kind of new. It's their first week. A lot of them, some of them have lived their year. And it's just such a great energy because it's just like, I mean, how could you be, you know, not could you not have a good energy when you're on the beach? Um, but there's also other events. I know you guys have looked into Toastmasters. So they have a Toastmasters chapter every two weeks. They have meetings at Dojo. There's also something I recently attended called Masterclass, which was a really interesting concept. It was about, I think they capped it at maybe 12 people. Mm each of us got to go around we had each had five minutes and we just got to say like a problem that we have or something we're working on and then for 10 minutes everyone kind of did a bit of q a slash advice so one girl said you know i'm a graphic designer but i'm having a hard time getting clients right now what do i do and it's it's so much above the like we'll just go on upwork right they give like really sound advice so you kind of do best practices and and skill sharing um and it was just such a cool thing not just to get feedback on whatever is on my mind but also to provide feedback and hope to give some expertise as well
1: that's awesome um so where else do you recommend uh people travel to so let's go i guess more to the travel side in bali where where should people travel to where should they go if they have like maybe just a week to visit there where should they go if they're going to do something longer like a month where should they go
2: yeah, you know, you just hit on a really interesting point. Um, I just got off the phone with my buddy Alex, who started a startup in Florida. Um, really successful startup, but he's kind of itching to, to ask himself, like, what's that next thing I want to do? And so he called me. He's like, you know, I really want to just do a week or 10 days in Bali and then go to San Francisco and figure out my next chapter. And I said, Alex, you're doing it wrong. You know, you got to actually spend a month or two in Bali to figure out your next chapter where, where you know, it's just, it's just so much more conducive to that. And so-
0: financially makes more sense. Sense, right?
2: Way more sense. Yeah. When you compare the two. So, so I really encourage people, the first thing you should do is not just spend a week in Bali, see if you can do a month. And obviously, you know, ideally you have a job situation that allows you right. to do that. Um, but even if it's just two weeks instead of one, it's really, really worth it. And I think, you know, I actually, a lot of times people say, oh, you're in Bali, you're in Bali. It's, it must be fun. and must be nice. but And it is. But I get some of my best work done when I'm there because I don't have that morning commute of a, of a big city with traffic and, you know, millions of people, right? It's just like rice fields and a beautiful sunrise. So, so I'm just, when you're relaxed and you have a three-minute motorbike ride to work, you're just going to tend to be, yeah, like much more in the zone. And so I'll work, you know, 10, 12 hours. And the time doesn't... You I don't even feel it. I don't yeah. even feel it because okay. I see other peers on their laptops. Maybe we'll go for a smoothie or a walk to the beach, which is literally three minutes from Dojo I mentioned earlier. Um, but in terms of other places to go, the other cool thing about Canggu is you can go to Seminyak for a day trip. You can go to Ubud for a day trip. Um, those are two places that as much as I would suggest anyone just kind of stay in Canggu, um, they have to go to Ubud. You have to see the monkey forest, for instance. You have to do some yoga. Another one of my absolute favorite places in Bali is called the Bali silent retreat it is what it sounds like you kind of turn in your phone at the beginning and it can be anywhere from one day to seven days however long you want to stay um, completely vegan menu and I'm, I'm not vegan but the food is just so incredible because it's all grown like pretty much on site mm-hmm. and and really you just kind of you can read you can write but it's just such a profound way to sort of disconnect from technology for a couple days um, and it's right on the rice field so it's absolutely beautiful
1: that's awesome I was gonna, also going to ask back to the digital nomad thing real quick the, um, one of the most important things for any digital nomad is internet. It's as important as water and food for them. So, how is, and some countries really, the internet can be in and out, or there's maybe storms coming through that mess with the internet. How's the internet in Bali?
2: That's a fantastic question. And I laugh because Michael, who is the owner of Dojo, actually says, I forget the figure he pays, but he pays some astronomical figure for. For internet at this co-working space, and the way the re, the way he does it, he actually I think has something like seven providers um, to make sure that it's just super fast. I mean, I've downloaded things that are several gigs, and it's been just like a couple minutes. It's been uh, it's been as fast as, if not faster, than a lot of places in America. Um, there's even been times where the it's not uncommon actually where the lights will go out maybe once a week because of a big storm, but your internet is still completely like working and really fast.
1: That's awesome. Now, have, how would you compare, so let's say someone's like, I want to go to East Asia for, you know, to do this digital nomad thing. How would you compare like a Bali versus a Thailand versus maybe Vietnam or even somewhere else? Uh, where should they go if they want to spend a month to six months um, abroad over there?
2: Okay, that's a great question. A lot of Another big hub for digital nomads is Chiang Mai, Thailand, which I know you two went a couple years back. Um, and, you know, I don't know anything actually about the digital nomad scene. I just went as a tourist. But so, so Thailand, I'm not going to speak much about. I, I, I like Bangkok a lot. Um, I don't think it would be that conducive to being a digital nomad, but it's, it is one of my favorite cities. So what I, I'll, let me compare Vietnam and Bali. So Vietnam is good if you are much like if you have kind of I, I was talking to you about this just a couple days ago. But let's say you want to work three or four hours a day. Vietnam's a really good place for you because you're just going to be on the go more. You're going to be sightseeing more. You're going to be like discovering more. There's more just like things to do. And the beauty of Vietnam is that it's such a thin country that the way to do it is really and sorry, I mean, the the, si- the the size of the country yeah. is like a long, thin right. country. Um, and the people are thin too, though. <laughs> um, but but you really want to start in no- the north in uh, Hanoi and work your way down to Ho Chi Minh or, or the opposite. And that could be done in two weeks. That could be done in two months, six months, whatever. But the real way to do Vietnam is to really just start on one end and do anywhere from two to five nights mm-hmm. in each city or each town, really, because it's such a beautiful, scenic Rural area, um, and just really work your way from one side to the other. Bali is better if you really kind of say, like, wow, I actually have a lot of work to do, um, or I kind of just need to be re inspired cre- creatively. Um, and I kind of want to put in the six to eight hours a day and really just like, you know, and that might be launching two or three side hustles or writing a book, you know, and I, and I've seen all of these cases happen at Dojo. So Bali is kind of a better place if you have three, three months, let's say. Bali's good if you just wanna have a base, build a community, cause I know that's important for a lot of solo travelers. And that's one of the best things again about this dojo is there's like a members breakfast, there's a members lunch. So it's just like, you'll go to the members lunch, which is every Thursday, 20 people you'll meet, you'll just have a really good, you know, conversation with four or five people. And then all of a sudden you'll see them the next day at the co working space and you just catch up for a couple of minutes. So it's like the rate in which friendships and I've even seen relationships happen mm-hmm. so, so quickly. I'm talking in
1: days. It's just astronomical. I mean, it's like being in college, you know. That's interesting because we wanted – Karina and I both have studied abroad. And we wanted to sort of get that experience back because we haven't done that, you know, live somewhere in depth for a long time. But we both kind of want that. But it almost sounds like Bali and that community and whatnot – when we studied abroad we created relationships within like a day you know right. you have some of your best so friends you
0: don't have family there you're you kind of want to force yourself to create deep relationships you know like you want to be social while you're abroad it's so important right you don't want to be isolated
1: and i think yeah and we both sort of wanted that experience for the last 10 to 15 years or whatever so it sounds like maybe bali would be a good place to do that and to build up a lifestyle and all that
2: yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, some of my best friends honestly I met in Bali. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing I love about it is it's just so eye-opening to meet mm-hmm. someone from Finland, someone yeah, from Sweden, from Finland, you know, people that you don't normally meet in your in your own city. Yeah. So
0: What's something that impressed you from bali and you know maybe separately from the digital nomad experience Mm. maybe about the culture or the people something that you didn't particularly know and you were exposed to it because you've been here you know for multiple times
2: a couple things for one um they it's it, it's a very very like spiritual culture, mm-hmm. and um every day you'll see them with some incense offering a prayer mm-hmm. and doing kind of um their their daily morning okay. prayer, okay. yeah, where they actually it's kind of rooted in like scaring the bad spirits away and but you know I, and I haven't fully you know researched it as much as I'm planning to do. But you know, one, one funny thing that happened is I took my mom for her birthday to Ubud. And um, in the morning, we're sitting at the hotel outdoors eating breakfast. And we saw one of the employees doing the morning prayer mm-hmm. with the incense and the on a small little temple that's right on site. And my mom asked the employee, she says, what are you doing? And she says, Oh, I'm doing my the morning prayer for for our culture and religion. And um, And she says, so what does it entail, what are you doing? She says, oh, I pray for myself, my family, you know my friends my company (laughs) and my mom just started laughing she goes wait a minute your company you pray for your company because that's kind of a a foreign concept in the west we kind of think like oh you know we're not getting paid enough yeah exactly so um but then if you think about it from their perspective well these were mostly this was a a, an economy like fueled on rice farms Mm -hmm. um rice farms you know and people had to really work very hard for very little money right? right and so tourism in bali has only been in the past couple decades mm-hmm. which has really exploded. So mm-hmm. of course they're going to be grateful, you know. And it's 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 a matter of perspective, but it's also a matter of kind of morals and culture that right. they're just a very very generous, very generous mm-hmm. and grateful culture. Mm-hmm. Um the amount of like warmth and love Even like I took an Uber once when they still had Uber in Bali, and that the guy who who picked me up, he ended up saying, you know, here's my number. I'll take you wherever you need to go in the future. And I've I've known him now two or three years. He's like a friend of mine. And and what was also interesting is he met his wife on Facebook, you know. And so this is an island nine thousand miles away from San Francisco, where the headquarters of Facebook is. But think how much it's impacted his life. He quit his job to drive Uber and become a tour guide. He met his wife on Facebook. So so there's just so much like to discover in Bali. The other thing I want. Wanted to say, Karina, is um, there's a really huge. I know, I know, I understand you eat vegetarian. Yes, yeah, so there's a huge, huge vegan boom happening right now in Bali, um, but especially in Canggu, this, mm-hmm. this area. And it's, it's so funny. I mean, you walk past a Thai restaurant in Bali, mm-hmm. it says, try our vegan Pad Thai. Oh, wow. You walk past like a burger joint and it says, try our vegan burger. Uh-huh. So it's, you know, most restaurants, they kind of, they definitely think of vegetarian or vegan options as an afterthought. Yeah. But in Changu, it's top of mind. You cannot survive as a restaurant in Canggu without having vegan options. Is
0: that rooted in their culture? Or is it more because of the tourist scene there?
2: It's... it's um, it's definitely probably the tourists, right? Um, I mean, so they're Hindu, so they don't eat, um, you know, they don't tend to, to take a lot of meat um, and beef, but they, there's plenty of chicken um, in their dishes and, and pork and, and you know, actually there's not a lot of pork, but you can find it. Um, but but it really is driven by the tourists and more specifically um, the surfing scene. So, you know, let's say 10, 20 years ago, surfing was huge in Changu. And so what what came with the surfing scene is like the smoothie bowl and the aside. And all that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, as an evolution of the smoothie and acai bowls, we've now come to this like vegan movement. And I'm telling you, Karina, like I could, you know, actually a year ago, my friend says, hey, I want to try this vegan restaurant in Chanko. And I was like, oh, like, I don't eat that, you know. Mm -hmm. And now this and I'm talking about Shady Shack is where he wanted to go. So the the name of the restaurant, it's an absolute must if you're in Bali. And now it's one of my favorite restaurants. They do vegan food so well in a way that you don't feel like you're you're being deprived of anything. Yeah, it's just so, so rich and fresh and, and delicious.
1: So in America, we got the Shake Shack. Over there, they got the Shady Shack.
2: <laughs> exactly, Dustin, yeah. Uh,
1: so that's really cool. Yeah, um, the stuff I've heard from Bali, because we've never been, although we, of course we want to go, mm-hmm. especially now, is so they, they do like one day where they basically shut down the whole country and just a day of silence, right? I think I've also heard of um, they're very in tune with nature, like with the rain gods, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you told us a story of like there's someone getting married and like they had to pay for someone to come and make sure it didn't rain during and in western culture you know more objective or whatever they people would think that's ludicrous but over there it's it, tell us, want to tell us that experience? Or? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, one thing I took my parents to a couple years ago was um, um, like, a, I guess it's like a medicine man. And so mm-hmm. what it is, it's, it was a 90 minute experience, a little bit of massages, mm-hmm. but mostly just scanning your bodies for your chakras mm-hmm. and your energies. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge, like necessarily believer in um, a lot of things, but I'm definitely very open minded mm-hmm. as well. So I, I'll tell you, like, I felt so different after that experience. Mm-hmm. And he kind of assessed me. And, you know, this is, you're talking about like a fifth generation Balinese medicine man. Man, right, wow. where it's passed down to him. Yeah, and exactly. and um, my parents had similar experiences where for about a couple of months, they just felt like a kind of a sense of peace that, you know, they maybe didn't always necessarily mm-hmm. have. Um, and then the other one you brought up about the rain, it's called a rain stopper. And I, I heard on two separate occasions from people who had experiences where one of the guys who I was talking to, got married in Bali, and the hotel said, you can either pay, you know, maybe let's say a $1,000 to book the indoor venue in case it rains, or you can pay $200 and hire our hotel rain stopper, <laughs> who will stop the rain, um, prevent rain from coming during the ceremony. And the guy just kind of rolled his eyes like, what the hell is this? But, hey, it's $200 is cheaper than 1000 so let me just, like, <laughs> give it a go. And so the morning of, the, the guy shows up and he, he asks the, my friend, he says, okay, tell me exactly where the guests will be seated. Tell me where you guys will do the ceremony, this and that. And the guy, again, he's rolling his eyes right. going, what is going on? The guy starts, like, um, lighting some incense and doing all these prayers and, like, talking to the plants and all these things and he's still he's just thinking like what the hell and then sure enough you know the the wedding happens not a drop of rain and he says the guests started to go inside for like another part of the wedding and it started to like downpour and and you know that's just obviously one story but I've literally heard multiple people tell me similar stories one one guy through a corporate event similar thing he said it was raining for all week but that two hours it was sunny and and I, I started to look into it a bit more even and I found out that the way it works supposedly is that they never they try not to prevent the rain it's kind of like when you think about nature especially mm-hmm. water right mm-hmm. water will is persever- is per- persistent um Water. So what they try and do is they they can either move the time of the rain, like, you know, and again, this is all sounds very crazy to us in the West, but their philosophy is we're going to either move the rain to before the event or after. If that seems like too hard, they'll move the location of the rain. So maybe like 50 to, you know, 200 feet to the east or whatever. Um, But then if they also feel like they can't do that, then they'll actually attempt to stop the rain. So that's like a very last resort. Um, So it's interesting, you know, everyone has to kind of look into it for themselves. Right. but you know I, I will say this if you told me this story five years ago I would just roll my eyes and yeah. say that's crazy but now you know I'm like you know there, there really is something very spiritual to this culture and I'm yeah. more receptive to it a
0: lot of indigenous Societies are very in tune with nature. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, in Mexico, where my family's from, they also have witch doctors that have been passed down to gener- you know, from generation to generation. Um, so it's great right. that you get to see that, you know, because I think with modernity, like you're losing some of that. So it's really nice when you get to see something so ancient at play. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think when you're in tune with nature so much, you understand it at a different level that maybe we can't hidden in our buildings and our walls and not putting our bare feet on ground. You know
2: I mean? Yeah, it's an excellent point. Another thing that my my friend Zach mentioned is um, their feet, the Balinese feet, are very flat, their toes, mm-hmm. and that's how our feet are supposed to be. Right. We're supposed to. I mean, we were meant, We weren't meant to walk in Nike shoes, right? <laughs> so, so, but because we in in the West, we wear soles, mm-hmm. and so our our toes kind of like. Like anchor up, and and it actually can create a lot of like back problems and things right. later in life. And so, but if you look at any Balinese person, um, not any but most, regardless of age, you see that their feet, their toes are much flatter, mm-hmm. and and that's just you know another small thing I love about this co-working space is you leave your feet, your shoes at the door. No, it's okay. a barefoot. It's a it's like a big open air right. treehouse, and there you know you f- you're familiar with this concept of grounding. The idea mm-hmm. that you know the more you connect your feet to right. the earth the more, like, kind of energy and rooted you can feel. And there, I think there's something to that, honestly, you know, versus working in a skyscraper. Right,
1: exactly. Very fascinating. Well, I think we're going to have to go to Bali later this year. Yeah, Do you, Um, Did you want to add something else, too?
2: Oh, yeah, just I would just like to add, just, you know, for those of you who are listening, who are planning your Bali trip, um, especially who are into the vegan scene, I wanted to share just a couple of my favorite restaurants. In addition mm-hmm. to Shady Shack, um, there's one called Plant Cartel, and that's the kind of place where you can go, get, like, it's called, like, turbo-loaded French fries with bacon bits, but the bacon is made out of um, eggplant. Wow. So And it's, like, you know, our beef burger, our fish burger. It's, like, one of those. And yeah. it, it tastes so much like the real stuff, really, but yeah. it's all vegan. It's really impressive. And then another absolute favorite, and I know a lot of Instagram influencers go there, it's called Peloton. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a bike bike cafe style. Amazing menu, delicious food. Um, the other thing you should do, if you're planning specifically to go to Changu download an app called GooGuy. that's GU guide. And that gets you like really cool discounts on stuff. Um, you can go to this pizza place called Luigi's and you get a free drink with the, with the app. Um, and my favorite one to use is a spa. There's a spa in Changgu called Amo. That's A-M-O. And you can get um, a one hour massage for the equivalent of about 19 US dollars, which is actually relatively high for Bali, but it's a really yeah. nice spa, like beautiful lobby, beautiful setting. Oh, yeah. And it's right on the rice field. And when you use the Goo Guide app, you can um, you can get like a free day pass to the spa, which is like jacuzzi, ice pool, sauna, steam room, all that. And it's right on a rice field. So that's kind of my favorite way to like to kind of detox on a Sunday. And when you say, you know, just 20 bucks, it's like, why would I ever want to leave?
1: And to have to detox when you're in Bali. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, really cool. And now one of the last questions I have is, is there a time to kind of go or not go to Bali? Like it, it's more rainy or not?
2: You know, Dustin, I get that question all the time, right? I've lived in Asia now for two and a half years and I get questions from all people, especially North America saying, is it stupid for me to go to, you know, Singapore and this time of year in Thailand in October? And, and I hate to say it, but but I can't even tell you. And I think that's a sign that it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. you know you can do so much research and say oh this is rainy season this is cold season humid season mosquito season i honestly cannot tell you when it's hotter or colder like bali is so close to the equator relatively to where we are that your that your weather is going to be pretty much the same even rainy season it might rain for an hour a day and then you might have four days of sun Mm -hmm. Um, and and rain is beautiful in Bali. Yeah. You know, I mean, provided you're not trying to sit on the beach and tan all day. Which Bali is not the place to go for that. Bali beaches actually aren't that that beautiful. That's it's really something
0: good to note. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a common- because people have that idea, that impression that it's an island and you can go lay in the beach for a couple hours, you know, sunbathe. Exactly. But it's not that
2: scene. Exactly. I mean, there are places to do that. There's a couple nice ones, but your average beach in Bali will not be that nice. And that's, But that's not really why you go. Like, you'll swim in the ocean, you'll surf, but you also do rice fields and monkey forests, and, and the food scene is incredible. Mm-hmm. But especially for Americans and a lot of Europeans, they go to the beaches in Bali, and they're, and they're, in Bali and they're just shocked by, mm-hmm. the kind of, wait, hey, this beach is, isn't that impressive. And, and it's right. not, but... Um, but yeah, wait, what were you saying? Was...
1: Uh, yeah, I wanted to go to Bali. That's oh, so
2: when, yeah, so back to the when, um, I really wouldn't, that's the beauty of Bali and Thailand. It's just, look, they're hot and humid cultures, right? You know, um, climates, I should say. Um, so it's going to be a bit hot and humid, but it's a tropical feel and it's beautiful and um, it's really, there. you really shouldn't put too much thought into when to go. Versus like a place like Hong Kong, yeah, I would say avoid June, July, August. It's just hot and humid. Versus the rest of the year, it's a bit cooler. So, so, but versus Bali, it really doesn't matter.
0: I have another question. Um, so you've said that there's a lot of tourism or people who actually stay and live there, right? How, how has the local community reacted to such a big outport of tourists? Or digital
2: nomads. Um, there, there's a mix. I think, mm-hmm. for the most part, from my perspective, I've seen a lot of support because mm-hmm. it's brought in a lot of, you know, tourism, and and, oh, and yeah, yeah, it's been very beneficial to, to the economy. Um, but of course, you have to do it right. You know, I think right. there's 30 day visa, yeah, all of that, and then obviously the government requires. You know, you just want to follow all the laws in terms of the mm-hmm. government, um, uh, like how long you're allowed to stay, and this and that on a tourist visa, things like that. Um, but for the most part, I think there there's also rules in place, don't quote me on that, that says, like, certain housing cannot go up because they don't want, you know, housing to be unaffordable for locals and oh, things that like that. Sense. Yeah, so I think the government is really kind of on top of – on top oh. and, and aware of, like, how do we make it so that we preserve our own culture right. and that and we make it, you know – um, but I mean, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of sort of stories about that, mm-hmm. that people can look into about like just rice fields, you know, rice fields used to be everywhere in Bali. And now a lot of them are saying, Hey, I can sell my land and to a hotel and make, you know, a lifetime or two mm-hmm. lifetimes you know, so, right. so, and so a lot of people say that's sad because they should preserve the rice. So, right. you know, there's a lot of kind of changes in Bali that, mm-hmm. um, that are happening as well.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much Upton for coming on and educating us about Bali. Yeah.
2: I just wanna add one more thing and thank you guys for having me. I know um, fitness is quite important to you guys, Dustin. You've been getting into yoga the past few months. Um, I just wanted to mention that on that front, whether you go to Bali for a week or, you know, a, a few months, there is such a cool fitness scene right now. There's CrossFit um, Wanderlust, which I tend to go to um, every morning, not every, but a lot of mornings at 7 a.m., 7 to 8, and again, it's just such a cool crowd. It's a really good energy and CrossFit is, you know, just really wakes you up. There's a place I love to do yoga called The Practice, right, in Chenggu Beautiful studio, absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> and the joke I like to say about Bali is that it's cheaper to, to, to get get a one hour massage and take a one hour yoga class because it's just so many massage places. So, you know, one hour yoga class might be like $13, $14 um, versus your one hour massage tends to be around 10. Um, and then surfing and just swimming in the ocean, um, old man's beach right in Canggu. So my my goal when I'm kind of working out of Bali is to do a rotation. So maybe Monday I'll do my CrossFit, Tuesday I'll do yoga, Wednesday I'll do my morning surf for an hour um, or swim and then kind of rest and repeat. Um, but it's kind of frustrating because actually there's so many. Any options between these three that I personally love to do that I get kind of like antsy like oh maybe I'll do CrossFit in the morning and yoga at night and a lot of times I just end up doing one but you know it's a good problem to have for sure.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. And uh, I think we're going to make a Bali trip probably later.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: All right. Thanks so much. And thank you all for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and comment. Give us a comment if you like it. And also give us a five-star rating. Also, don't forget we're on Instagram at Dustin's Travels and also on YouTube. Find our YouTube channel as well. Thank you again. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, guys.